Good morning. I'm looking forward uh, to some time with Shelley. We're going to be leaving tomorrow, Lord willing, for a couple of weeks. Jared Irvine is going to be speaking the next couple of Sundays. And then uh, following that Sunday on May 2nd is Celebration Sunday, and that's going to be a great Sunday as well. And then Mother's Day, and we're going to begin a new series on Mother's Day. I wanted to mention this because it's kind of hard to bring a close to why love. Don't think I couldn't uh, speak on the topic further. It's really an endless subject. And it should be a commanding one and central to our lives. But we're going to begin a new series on Mother's Day, My Favorite Proverbs. So you can be thinking about what my, my favorite proverb will be on Mother's Day. But we'll look forward to that. Why love? Well, I'm going to give you my answer today. We've heard from Jesus, from John, from Peter, from Paul, the writer of Hebrews, James, Jude. We've heard from all sides of the New Testament, but I wanted to personalize it in some ways this morning. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he urges them to redeem the time. The word redeem translates a Greek word we can render buy up. Buy up the time. Like uh, loading every roll of toilet paper on the shelf into your cart and then asking the manager if there is more in the back as we did a year ago at the beginning of the pandemic. In fact, I'm sure it occurred on this very day one year ago. Redeem in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, means get all there is to get out of the moment. And to do it wisely, because he prefaces verse 16 with the word wise, not unwise. Redeem the time in a way that's wise, not unwise. How do we get the most out of our time? Life, like time, is fired at us point blank. There's a gravity, in other words. There's a gravity in our moments that we fail to see. Opportunity in our moments that we fail to buy up, to squeeze, to drain, to utilize. Moments escape us. If we redeem the time, we'll minimize the number of moments that get away. On our calendars, and it's, it's an expression, but we have red letter days. We have holidays. We have festive days, we have birthdays, we have special days, we have days that we circle in red, days that we look forward to, days that we can't wait to get to, but we don't have red letter moments. 
Not until afterward. Usually because we're passive and we're moved by something we didn't see coming and we're taken by surprise and it turned out to be something wonderful and we remember it well and we go, <laughs> wow, that was special. But we don't always go into moments and we don't get up in the morning expecting such moments. In spiritual terms, in terms of our faith, we can think of it like this. We can only make Christ Lord of our lives in the moment. It's an odd expression to say, make him Lord of our lives, because we don't make him do anything. What we do is acknowledge him. We become aware of him. We recognize him. We know he's Lord, and we aren't. And in those moments, we acquiesce, we surrender. We turn over our moments to him. We call upon him to be our strength in those moments, to be our guide, to be our Lord. But that can only happen in the moment. We can remember. We can imagine. We can remember when we acknowledged him as Lord in the past, and we can imagine him as Lord of our lives in the future, but the only time that we can actually make him Lord, in other words, acknowledge him as Lord, is in the moment, in the now, like right now. It comes through intentional living, deliberate living. It even takes a certain measure of discipline to prioritize, to put certain things first, and things that are first in our lives second. The moment, right now, is called the precious present because it is a gift. It's a gift of great potential if we use it, if we buy it up, if we get all we can get out of it. And we do that when we love when we love as Christ loves, as Christ loved us, as we experience his love, and we translate that into our actions and our thoughts and our words and our moments. That's the way we redeem the time. God has a way for us to do this, and it's called love. Our passage today is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. 
particularly verse 14. And we're all going to memorize this verse today, verse 14. It's the final verse of this series. But it's not the final verse of our lives. It is the verse of our lives. It should be that verse which guides our lives. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians 16, chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. Stay alert. Stand firm in the faith. Be people of courage. Be strong. And here's our verse. Try to memorize this right now. Do everything in love. Do everything in love. Everything. Feel your thoughts. Think your thoughts in love. Choose your words in love. Your actions, your plans. Do everything in love. If I whisper a prayer, Father, be the Lord of my life, what's that lordship mean? Well, it seems to me that it should include the fact that God loves me. I want him to be the Lord of my life because no one loves me like the Lord loves me. And you could say that too, and you should. And it's also saying, I believe, I love you, Lord. Because you first loved me, I love you. And Lord, if you'll guide and direct and take control of my life right now, then I'm going to translate your love for me and my love for you I'm going to translate that into my attitude and my actions. What I do with my hands and feet and what I do with my tongue. What I do with my eyes. All that's going to be changed because my attitude is adjusted when Jesus is the Lord of my life. It changes the way I see the world around me. It changes the way I see people. Those I like, I like a little more. Those I don't like, I start to like. I start to see the potential of how God sees them, what God wants to do in that person's life, and how God would have me a part of what he desires to do in that part person's life. How God wants me to be a player in what he plans to do, and how I can cooperate and collaborate and become active in that, in the way I think and the way I act. That is lordship that touches us. It changes us. It adjusts us. It tunes us. And we begin to move with God. We begin to have his mind his outlook, his actions, 
And we have the perfect example in Jesus Christ. Why love? It's all about love. If you remember the series, we began with God's love for the world, that he sent his one and only son. And each of the writers of the New Testament have taken up this emblem of the gospel of God himself. God is love. He acted in love. He sacrificed for us in love. It's all of love. This is not some embellishment on my part. If anything, it's an exposure of what should be prominent and central in our thinking and in our lives and in our behavior and the way we see the world and the way we see the Lord in our lives. Why love? It's the power of real living. Real living. I would say it's the secret to life. If I were to shape it or form it in in terms or in a way that would want a buy-in from other people to capture your imagination or to sell you on something that's for your own good as well as the good of others. Everyone wants to be a success. Love, that's the answer. Everyone wants to be wiser or better or anything that is positive. Love, that's the answer. What would be the best thing you could do right now? Well, love would be the answer. What could you do if you were in a pickle? (laughs) A difficult situation. Love. Want to fulfill the whole law? Want to walk with God? Want to think God's thoughts after him? Love. Love. Verse 14 here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 is the closing admonition of Paul. It's like, all right, I mean, he goes on to say some other things, but this is the last bit of instruction. Do everything in love. And it's built on what he wrote in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, sometimes referred to as the love chapter. This closing command in verse 16 would solve all the problems addressed in the letter of of what we call 1 Corinthians. For example, in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of this letter, it's about quarrels with leaders and between leaders and who follows whom. That would all be solved by love. In chapter 4 and verse 9 of this letter, the issue is the church's attitude toward Paul. That would be solved if they did everything in love. In chapter 6, there's the issue of lawsuits and the question of whether they're going to be settled in court or settled between members of the church. That would be settled 
if they did everything in love. In chapter 7, there are husband and wife relationships, questions about being married, not being married, and it would all be settled if they did everything in love. In chapters 8, 9, and 10, there is abuse of the weak by those with knowledge. All of that would be resolved if they did everything in love. And in chapters 12, 13, and 14, the mistreatment of the have-nots at the Lord's Supper and in their worship, worship that fails to edify the church, all of that would be resolved, improved, and settled if they did everything in love. If the Corinthians did all things in love, they would really experience the abundant Christian life the power of the Spirit, the power of really living. And the liveliest thing we can do to enliven others is to love. The liveliest thing we can do to enliven others is to love. That's based on the great commandment. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus explained in Luke 10, in what we call the parable of the Samaritan, that your neighbor is anyone at hand. Doesn't matter if he's a Samaritan, doesn't matter who he or she is. In one of Paul's letters, his, uh, one of his earliest letters, first Thessalonians, we call it. And in chapter 4, verse 9, Paul says, you don't, you don't need me to write to you about love. You are taught to love by God. That's amazing. But here's the way I understand that. And I draw upon my own experience. I was drawn to what we call the good news. It's the word that we translate gospel. That's what gospel means. I was drawn to this wonderful message of what God had done for me in his son, Jesus Christ, and what he was offering me to be his legitimate child, to be given an inheritance, to be given an identity that wasn't built on my poor life, but on the life of Jesus Christ. And you know what caught me? That God loved me. I felt that love. I knew that love. I experienced that love. I experienced that forgiveness. I experienced that amazing transformation. That's love at work. We know how to put that into action. We know how to turn that around and to award it freely. We call that grace by favoring others, by thinking merely this person counts, this person matters, this person deserves my attention, this person deserves what God would have me 
do for, say to, help, give an example to, encourage, even as God plucked me out of what to my mind and heart was an existence that nobody knew about or cared about, God cared for me. It was, it was like a parade. And God is the master of ceremonies. And he stops the parade. I'm there in the crowd. And he comes over to me. And I'm just like, what? You care about me? You know me? You love me? Yeah, he taught us love, didn't he? He taught us. It's not a diploma that we hang on the wall and admire. I've got those. I'll bet you've got credentials in one form or another. But it's when we put that knowledge that the credential or the diploma certifies, when we put that into action, <laughs> then we really live out and warrant the diploma. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, Paul says something remarkable. Very first words of what in our New Testament is 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, knowledge puffs up, love builds up. And just think about that. Knowledge puffs. What, what's he mean by puffs? We get, we get to feeling prideful. But knowledge is not love. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Love builds. Love is edifying. Love is like a bee that is constantly buzzing and moving from flower to flower to pollinate and fulfill its destiny, or an ant that's marching along, always at work. Emblems and examples of work are ants. And so are we to be emblems of God's love. Johnny Appleseed was a figure that I grew up with in grade school. I was enchanted by the story of this man who dedicated himself to planting apple trees. Now, I'm sure there's a little bit that's legendary in all of that, but there's got to be some truth in it. If that's what comes to characterize your life, you're a person who plants, and what you plant bears fruit, and other people enjoy the fruit of your labor. That's love. That's love at work. That's a life of love. That's what we're called to. Not just occasional, not just on Sundays, not on red letter days, but moment by moment by moment by moment because every moment is amendable by love. Every moment can be changed and improved and encouraged by love. It can be handled more responsibly and it can become a more fruitful moment and not a wasted moment by love. 
Love is not just an action. It's not just a word. Love is a lifestyle. Love is a lifestyle that is drawn to and inspired by a vision which is revealed to us by God and Jesus Christ. We have a vision of love. And love is not just something that we do. It is something that we become. And love is what causes us to be characterized like Jesus Christ. Love is more than, than a command. It's a vision. But love is not only the liveliest thing we can do to enliven others, it's the liveliest thing we can do to enliven ourselves. And that was kind of the point I was just making because it isn't something that we just do for or unto others. It is something that is catalytic. It, it kind of makes things start to happen in who we are. It changes who we are. It transforms who we are. I'm on a, I want to share a secret with you Selfless love, Christ-like love, is something of a paradox. A paradox, uh, a seeming contradiction. For example, uh, Jesus talks about dying in order to live. What? Seems paradoxical. Contradictory. Die to live talks about giving to receive. You, you give, but then somehow you receive. Talks about becoming weak that we might become strong. That we surrender in order to overcome or conquer. We become a slave in order to become free. Well, here's the secret of love. And if I put it in this kind of paradoxical way, selfless love is selfish love. That's the most... Uh, kind of proverbial way I can put it, but it doesn't make sense. Selfless love is selfish love. Let me put it this way. It's the liveliest thing we can do to enliven ourselves. Loving others sounds selfless, and it is, and it should be, and it shouldn't be full of thoughts about ourselves but if you live this way and you love this way and you live love like that, you will find that you are the one that is loved. Faith is like investing and leaving the returns to God, but there are returns to be had. It's not selfish, actually, because when we're selfish, we want we want the return. We want, we want to be gratified immediately. But when we love selflessly, we don't put a clock 
on when that love comes back. But it starts with how we think about ourselves, feel about ourselves. What happens at the end of the day when we put our pillow, our head on our pillow? What starts to happen in our relationships, whether they're at work or home? In all our relationships. How does loving God and others enliven us? It changes not just what we do, but who we become. And we become more aware of the Lord and the beauty of this world. We're drawn to things that are hopeful. And we believe again in things that can be because we believe more strongly, more existentially, more in our being and who we are. We believe more in the Lord and who he is and his love. It's not theoretical. It's not a diploma on the wall. It's something that builds character in us in the way we see the world and hope and respond to it. We become more grateful and hopeful and joyful. More kind, more empathetic, more, more intimacy. Love is not only the liveliest thing we can do to enliven others and enliven ourselves, but it enlivens the ordinary. And it enlivens ordinary living. Love makes ordinary living a life worth living. And when we love over time, we realize that this is not the exception, but it's the rule. I believe, and it is my experience, that we sleep more soundly the more we love. That we know the peace of a clear conscience the more we love. That we lack suspicion, and we tend to expect, instead of suspicion, we tend to expect the best of other people and believe the best and hope the best, and want the best. And we're not as critical when they fail us because we realize, but for the grace of God, we are and would be and continue to fail without his strength and life in ours. I find that the more we love, the world is not full of our enemies anymore. Instead of hating them, as Jesus told us, we love them. And we work to love them. And we try to love them. And it affects the way we talk about them. The way we view them. We certainly don't vilify them. And it helps us to understand them and why they are our enemies. We find that when we love over time, we become a more predictable person. In fact, our character becomes known. We bring happiness and joy. We bring happiness and joy. We're not constantly looking for it because it's generated within us. 
And when we walk into the room or into this place or that, or we meet someone in the moment, there is joy and happiness in us to share and to give because love builds. Love is a builder. We find that we're more content and the little things count. We notice the little things. We treasure the little things. Things become precious and not expendable. And we realize how rich we are in this wonderful world that God has made. We become more productive when we love over time and more fruitful because love isn't just something we do, it changes who we are and it changes the way we see things that we do and who we are even when no one is looking. We find that over time, love causes us to become more realistic and to really live in the real world because we see things the way God sees them. This, I don't remember if it was uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, it was one of these family life radio programs. Now, you got to get up like at five and be driving in your car to catch them. But um, I was listening to this one. I had a neat lady. She had written a book on kindness. And the book opens with an acronym. In other words, uh, the first letter of a word, each first letter or letter of that word is uh, an acronym for something else. So the word was think. You know, think, like when we say think before you speak, think before you act. And think, she explained, the T of think stands for is this true? And the H of think stands for is this helpful? And the I, is it inspiring? And the N, is it necessary? And the K, is it kind? Think. Is this true? Is this helpful? Is this inspiring? Is this necessary? Is this kind? This is not something we're asking of everybody else. This is something we ask of ourselves if we want to become kind people. And what I want you to know is you won't have to think about it if you become a loving person because you'll do all these things naturally. It'll be secondhand, second nature. I want you to become an apostle of love. You don't need me to preach at you. You don't need Paul to write to you about this. You've had it demonstrated to you. It's the heart of the gospel. It's what our lives are to be about because Jesus Christ is love. God the Father is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. You don't need me to nag you, and I don't want to. I want you to take up the torch. I want you to pick up the flag and wave it. I want you to be the standard bearer for Jesus Christ. Do this. You can do this. God will empower you. 
You don't need me. And I won't be looking over your shoulder. What I am trying to say is, kindle this fire in your soul. Make this your idea, not mine. Make this your challenge. You become the champion. If no one joins you, follow anyway. And one day, maybe you'll be standing here preaching about it. Let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you and we know you love us. In all the little things, the little moments, we have a heart to give them to you and to live them in the power of your love. For it is in your love that we're really living. And we praise you for this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, God bless you.